You're listening to another life-giving message from Living Faith Church San Diego. We are a church for sinners by sinners, and we are on a mission to help you discover your purpose, live in power, and live out your God-given potential. For more information about Living Faith Church, text the word podcast to 1-888-305-2303. Again, text the word podcast to 1-888-305-2303. Now open up your hearts and minds for this transforming message from Living Faith Church. Message that we're working from for this whole series is from Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And it is, and this is actually a man speaking to Jesus. So this man comes up to Jesus and he says, okay, we have all these commandments. So which one is the best? Which one's the best or the greatest? What do I need to pay the most attention to? And Jesus responded, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. That is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? So that's what we've been working on. And something to keep in mind, too, is that all scripture is God-breathed. Everything has God in it. Every single word is God-breathed. And the verse that tells us that is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Meaning that this verse is in order, okay? So it starts off with, love God, one, first, greatest, most important, one, love God. And there was only two parts. One, love God. Two, love others as yourself, okay? So the first time I read this verse, I was like, how am I supposed to love others as myself if I don't love myself? And I've been, I had been there for a very long time. I struggled with self-love for most of my life. I had a few traumatic things happen to me as a kid, and I internalized it all. I blamed myself far too much for things that weren't my fault, and I took on the responsibility of things that were not my responsibility. And in doing so, I warped how I looked at my life and the rest of the world and myself. And this manifested an addiction to self-harm, suicidal tendencies, and I hated the world. Hated it, absolutely. I hated myself, I hated the world, I hated everything about my existence. But I hated myself the most. And at 20, I had an encounter with God that changed all of that. God saved me from myself and from the knife. And just because I stopped harming myself physically didn't mean that I stopped harming myself emotionally. So when Stephen announced the upcoming sermon topics a few weeks back, and he was like, all right, guys, we've got love God, love others, and love yourself, I actually felt God tap me on the shoulder and whisper in my ear, that last one's you. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, no, that one's not me. Let's, let's not do that. Um, and I just felt him pushing, like, nope, that's you, that's you. And so I started thinking. I was like, do I, can I even qualify for this sermon? Do I even know what self-love is? Have I conquered it? And then, so it was about five weeks ago now. And so I did a lot of thinking about this, this sermon. Um, and my initial reaction was, what is self-love? What is self-love? And the answer that I came up with was probably the one that most of us come up with in the world. And that is self-love is choosing yourself. Self-love is putting yourself first. And then God tapped on my shoulder again and said, look deeper. 
And so I did some research on what self-love means biblically. And it actually changed my perspective of self-love. See, did you know that self-love is only referenced in the Bible once? Self-love is only ever referenced in the Bible once. And it's actually when Paul is telling you how to know when the world is ending. It's uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite lengthy about things to avoid. But it says, but in, understand this, that in the last days there will be, come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. And then it goes on to like, you know, how terrible people are to avoid such people. Just, I just cut it all down short for you. Avoid such people, okay? However, the Bible does mention a lot, a lot, a lot about self-control self-discipline, and even dying to self. So I was like, wait, so if that's what God's telling us through the Bible, does that mean that God's trying to tell us that we shouldn't love ourselves? I was very confused. So I did a lot of prayer. I did a lot of seeking. And God told me, look at how the Bible defines love first. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 is how the Bible defines love. And verse four is love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. I'm gonna break down each one of these. What does it look like for you to be patient with yourself? What does it look like for you to be kind to yourself? What does it look like for you to not envy what others have? What does it look like to not boast about yourself? What does it look like to let go of our pride? The next verse, verse 5, is it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I've kept lots of records of my own wrongs. I don't know about you guys, but I I got a list. Are we dishonoring to ourselves and others? Are we putting others down, ourselves down, when we look in the mirror? What does it look like to not be self-seeking, to not be easily angered, to have grace and not keep a record of the wrongs that we've done to ourselves and to others? Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. What does it look like for us to rejoice in the truth of ourselves? 7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Are we protecting ourselves? Just like a mother wouldn't allow their child to eat a whole bowl of Skittles, right? You wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, have that. No, no, it's bad. It's going to rot your teeth. It's going to be, it's going to be a mess, right? You don't allow your kid to have anything that they want. You have to protect them from themselves a lot of times. In that same way, are we protecting ourselves? How are we protecting ourselves? Not only our bodies, but our minds, our spirits, our hearts. Are we trusting ourselves? Do we have hope and always persevere? And I was, and so if this is what the Bible says love is, I know I, for a long time, would say, no, I don't love myself. That's what, if that's the definition of love, there's a lot of places that I fall short. And I'm sure some of us felt that way also. A married couples, couples in relationships, quick question. Do you love everything about your significant other? Don't answer. Men, 
Say with me, yes, everything, right? That's the correct answer. The correct answer is, but realistically, no. It's impossible to love every single thing about another person, and that's just normal. It's like, chew, close your mouth when you chew, please. <laughs> that's just my pet peeve. <laughs> um, but we have all loved somebody, loved something, but not loved every single bit of it. It's your favorite restaurant. You may love the food, but the service sucks. So bad, so bad service. But the food is phenomenal, right? We can love something as a whole, but not quite love every single piece of it. So why do we expect to love ourselves 100%? Why do we think that in order to love ourselves, we need to be perfect? And how do we even love ourselves? Is there like a magic number of massages, like a specific amount of affirmations? Is there a pill that we can just suddenly take and like, woo, we're floating on cloud, you know? No, unfortunately, no, if only. And I think that the answer to that question still haunts us because we need to start changing how we look at self-love. Just because there's parts of ourselves that we don't love doesn't mean that we can't love ourselves as a whole but we need to change the conversation about what self-love is. The Bible doesn't say that love is adoring every part of a person. It says that love is patient. It's patient when they mess up. It's patient when they wrong us. It's patient when they chew with their mouths open. Which brings me to my first point. Self-love is grace. Tell your neighbor, give yourself some grace. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm going to give myself some grace. <laughs> See, self-love isn't what the world's telling us self-love is. Meditations, affirmations, that's great, but it isn't about putting ourselves first. Loving ourselves is about accepting where we are and saying it's okay. Say it's okay. Because life isn't about our timing. It's about God's timing. We don't have to love and accept every single part of who we are and our lives. Could you imagine if we woke up and we're like, oh, life is so perfect, it's great. We wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need God. If, if, if we were perfect and life was perfect, we wouldn't need God. So I have some news for you. It's never going to be perfect. Say it's okay. It's okay. okay. Self-love is grace. It's patience, it's self-protection, and it's self-trust. Has anybody ever here ever broken a bone? Broken a bone, yeah, 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 I haven't, knock on wood, not trying to, you know, but I have run face first into some monkey bars. Yeah, I had like a lovely goose egg that made me look like I have a unibrow for like a month. It was great, I definitely recommend it. No, I don't, it's not fun. <laughs> See, but when you, when you fall and you scrape your knee, and it's, first thing you do is you gotta clean the wound, right? You gotta make sure it's not gonna get infected. And then you'll put a Band-Aid over if it needs it, but realistically, most flesh wounds you don't put a Band-Aid on because it actually causes it to get infected and fester. So you actually want it to get some fresh air and to scab over so it'll heal. If you have a serious injury, that's when you go to a doctor. That's when you go to a hospital and you're like, okay, like I need somebody to perform life-saving surgery on me because this is bad. This is ruining my life, so I need somebody to do something. And then they'll send you home with some medication and that'll keep you from becoming infected, right? The same is true with our minds. We can't put a Band-Aid on the wounds of our pain. 
We can't mask our pain with alcohol, drugs, sex, working out, eating, social media, TV, etc. Well, we can, but it doesn't exactly heal us, does it? It's just a band-aid on a flesh wound. We wake up sober the next morning and the pain is still there. When we try to use the world's band-aids to fix our pain, we just let it fester and infect our minds more. In praying about this sermon, God gave me a revelation that when I hated myself the most, I was actually being the most selfish. I hated myself, I hated my job, I hated the people I worked with, I hated my life, my circumstances, everything, all of it, every single aspect of my life, I hated it. Guess what my mind was filled with while I was in that state? Myself. That's all I was thinking about was myself. I was being selfish. I was so wrapped up in how hard my life was that that's all that I could see. That's all I could think about. I could only think about my own failings, my own shortcomings, what I lacked in life, what I wished I had in life. I was being selfish, and I was being a victim. If all we do is focus on how hard our life is, we never see that anyone else around us is also hurting. We don't see the homeless person on the street in need. We don't see the children without parents and homes. We don't see the war and the hate that tears apart families and communities around the world. We don't see anything but ourselves. And what happens when we let that pain fester? When we wallow in our self-hatred, when we focus on just trying to mask our pain, if we do it for long enough, it overcomes us and consumes our mind. So how do we heal a wound that's so deep that it affects our daily lives. We see a doctor, right? If you broke your arm and you can't do your daily life, you go see a doctor. If you have some kind of, you know, thing with your organ, you go into the doc organs, you don't just have one. You go to a doctor and they fix your organs up, right? When we have a pain that keeps us from our daily lives, from loving others, from caring about the world, we can't look to the world's homeopathic recipes for a cure. We can't heal ourselves with the world's band-aids, vices, addictions, and the feels good in the moments. If you break your iPhone screen, yes, you can take it to the kiosk in the mall. We all know that. But it might void your warranty. They might mess it up more than just the screen when you get it back. Some things might not work, right? You actually should probably take it to Apple, the iPhone's manufacturer, the place that made it, the creator of the device. We need to stop taking our problems, our pains, and our issues to the rest of the world to fix us and start taking it to our designer, our creator, the first doctor, to God. And that is my next point, bring it to God. Tell your neighbor, bring it to God. If there is a part of yourself that you don't love, if there's a pain in you that's keeping you from living the abundant life that Christ died to give you, Take it to the only surgeon who knows every hair on your head. The surgeon who crafted you in your mother's womb. Take it to God. God will take the broken and the injured and heal them. Say amen. amen. In my struggle with self-love, I felt like, well, how could anybody else love me if I don't love myself? Anybody else ever been there? I prayed time and time again, and I asked God to show me how to love myself the way that he loves me. And for most of my life, I tried to fill the void with the love of other people. As a people pleaser and a perfectionist, I had a very bad habit of caring way too much about what people thought of me. 
in everything. Do they think I'm pretty? Do they think I'm showing too much skin? No, or not enough. Do they think I'm successful? Do they think I'm happy? Is this socially acceptable? I can't even count the times that I've given myself actual physical issues because of overthinking things. I've given myself stomach ulcers on a regular basis from, from the amount of anxiety and stress about caring about what other people think. Uh, panic attacks, given myself those too. Because I cared more about other people's experience of me than I cared about my own experience of life. And I was raised kind of woo-woo. So I, like personal development, I knew about that since the womb, right? Like a woo-woo, hippy-dippy if we don't know what woo-woo is, yeah. So, uh, so I knew who Tony Robbins was like from the womb, right? I knew all about that kind of stuff, but it's not enough. It was never enough to make me feel loved. It was never enough to make me feel whole. I tried to make my identity what the world wanted of me. And this left me feeling even less loved. And if I couldn't love myself, then my brain said, well, then no one can love me and neither can God. See, what I misunderstood at that time was that God loved me first and in spite of all of it. First and in spite of. He had loved me when I was trying to get the world to love me. He loved me when I hated him. He loved me first and in spite of. And he loves all of you first and in spite of. See, I hated myself because I couldn't measure up to the world's standard of what I thought I was supposed to be. But I wasn't meant to measure up to that standard. That wasn't what I was called for. I had to change my identity. If we have a negative view of ourselves, it's because we have an incorrect view of who we are in Christ. I needed to take a hard look at what about myself I didn't like. And some parts I needed to have grace some parts I needed the surgeon, and some parts I just needed to let go of and change my view of myself. I needed to ask God, what is my identity? Who have you called me to be, and what have you called me to do? In Genesis 1.27, it says, God created man from his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. We were created in the image of God. Wow. Say wow. Wow. See, God didn't say, well, I'm pretty messed up, so I'm just going to make a bunch of copies and see how fast the world burns. You know? No, that's not in scripture, right? God didn't say that. Because God knew he was good. And so he created us to be like him. Psalms 139, 13 through 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Luke 12, 7. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are, have more value than many sparrows. 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. That means you're holy. God loves you so much that he took the time to craft you and knit you in your mother's womb. 
He counted every single one of your hairs. And I don't know about you ladies, but I, a lot of them come out in the shower every single day. I should be bald by now. But he knows every single one of those, even the ones that fall out, right? Every single one, all of the freckles, all of the scars, all of the wrinkles, all of it. And you are holy. You are his temple. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. God has plans and a future in store for us that are greater than we could ever imagine. That's how loved we are. We were created. We were given a future long before we even existed. We need to see our identity in God. We're not created to measure up to the world's standards. We're not created in that. We were created with love and detail by a creator who has plans for us and whom we can rely on. Say, it's okay. It's okay to not have it all together. And it's okay to not be okay. It's all a part of the journey. But we can have confidence in God even when things are not great in our lives because he has everything in control. Even when things aren't great for ourselves, he knows exactly what's going on. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I wish I had a Twix here, but if I took a Twix a Twix bar, and I took a Kit Kat bar, okay? And I gave you the Kit Kat bar. What is it? So if I have a Kit Kat bar, it's a Kit Kat bar. What if I tried to take it and put it inside of the Twix wrapper? Does it make it a Twix? It's still a Kit Kat. Even if I smashed up the Kit Kat inside of the Twix container to make it fit better, it still would not be a Twix. It's still a Kit Kat bar. It's just a smashed up Kit Kat bar, but it's still a Kit Kat bar, right? We're not meant to fit in the Twix wrapper. God created us to be a light, to be love, to be good. We can try to wear a different wrapper. We can even try to change ourselves to fit in even better, but it doesn't change the fact that we're not a Twix. We're not meant to be loved by this world. We're not meant to be fulfilled by this world. We're not even meant to be fixed by this world. When we try to identify with the world, when we allow ourselves to be consumed by our dislike of ourselves, when we are unforgiving towards ourselves, the enemy wins. When you don't pursue your God-given gifts, when you don't help a stranger in need, when you don't love on a friend in pain, the enemy wins. The enemy wins because you don't share God's love with the world when you're consumed with how much you don't like your life. I know I was. And this brings me to my last point. Let it go. Tell your neighbor, let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go right? <laughs> let it go. Some of us are carrying around pain that we should have left at the altar, and it's festering. Some of us are carrying around wounds that have begun to consume our lives and have begun to limit us. Let it go. Christ died for all of it. 
Just as we're to turn the other cheek to others who have wronged us, turn the other cheek to yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive those who have created the wounds that you carry. Let it go. It is a beautiful gift that we have become new in Christ's blood. New means all the old wounds are no longer our identities. Our identity is in Christ. When someone asks you if you love yourself, change your answer. It's not a yes, and it's not a no. The answer is God loves me, and that's enough for me. Let's love ourselves how the Bible defines love, which is patience and grace. Let's bring the broken pieces to God, the surgeon, to heal us. And let's let go of the rest because it's not our identity any longer. Say it with me. I have a new identity. identity. Now tell your neighbor, I have a new identity. First, I'd like to pray for everyone sitting in here who felt God tug on your heart. If you know that you have some stuff to let go of tonight and you're ready to bring it to God, I'd like to pray for you. If you could please open up your hands to receive from heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love. Thank you that you love us first and in spite of ourselves. Thank you for teaching us the true meaning of love. Thank you for being our surgeon, our healer, our doctor. Thank you for giving us a whole new identity. Lord, forgive us for being selfish, for not loving those around us more, for not loving ourselves, your creations. Forgive us for any way that we have fallen short. Lord, we bring it all to you. We bring you our pains. We bring you our burdens. We bring you our wounds. Lord, we bring you our brokenness, our pains. Take it all away, Lord. Take away the self-judgment, the self-dislike, the self-hatred. Take it all away, Lord. Heal the hearts of those in this room, Lord, those listening and watching online. Lord, heal us of our self-inflicted suffering. Heal the suffering and the festering in our minds. Show us our identity in you, Lord. Let your will be done in our lives. And in Christ Almighty's name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this life-giving message from Living Faith Church. For more information about our church, text the word podcast to 1-888-305-2303. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you next time on the Living Faith Church Podcast.